Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 21 of our podcast that we originally recorded on April 21st of 2014. Some of the new stories we discussed for the week, Ultima Online and DAOC are both listed on Steam Greenlight, Morrowind being made within Skyrim thanks to modders, Danganronpa 2 is coming to the West on September 2nd, an in-game bomb can disconnect you from the Titanfall servers, Nintendo did have a chance at Skylanders, we also talk about a Bioshock Infinite Easter egg in the My Little Pony cartoon. We talk about what we're playing now, nostalgia, ESO, Anodyne, as well as what we want to play. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Good evening, gamers! Welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are up to episode 21. My name is Joe Luzzi. With me is Greg Martin. How you doing tonight, Greg? Uh, we're doing the black hat thing tonight. All right. Should have your red hat on, but that's all right. I don't have a red one. I have a black one. Well, you're going to have to get a red one. I tried to get a red one, but nobody at Red Hat would sell me any. (laughs) That's tomorrow's podcast. Yeah, I know. That one's tomorrow. That one should be fun. All right, everybody. Send us some emails, whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whatimplayingnow. Drop the G. Um, Google Plus, plus.google.com slash plus what I'm playing now podcast. And check out our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. It's been um, booming lately, man. We have had some people follow us and everything, so thank you to all those people who are following us. Um, we have some cool things coming up here. Um, some more nostalgia probably coming up this week, as well as some other things planned for next Saturday's live Saturday game show that we're normally doing. Um, Greg, do we have any studio updates on for this week? Yeah, um, the so the past couple times we've actually used what I picked up as the opening bumper for our show. Um, even though it's under Creative Commons license, it's still getting flagged by Content ID on YouTube, and it's it's that's not good. Um, so I'm actually thinking about doing a little ditty for our intro, like making our own. All right. Uh. I may need your help. I may need your vocal talents. Yeah, I don't have vocal talents. I played piano. <laughs> I played piano and keyboards for years, so I could do that stuff. All right. Well, then we should work on something like that because I think we should have something we can play live. Uh, and it's unfortunate that YouTube feels like Creative Commons content is still not permissible on YouTube. Well, I don't have my synthesizer anymore, but I did have songs that I wrote years ago in high school. So. Um... I don't even know if any of those are on tape or anything, so I probably can't even import any of those into the computer anymore. Oh, dude, I used, I have a bunch of old stuff. A bunch of old stuff. That was that's old school. Did you did you do anything on the Amiga? No, but I did know somebody in college who actually ran his um, studio that actually created several albums for college bands um, on an Amiga One Thousand. Nice. That was the thing, man. I remember reading all those old school computer magazines, and that that was the thing. The Amiga was it, man. I had the 500, and I never actually did much music stuff with it. Mm-hmm. So I wish I would have. I just never. I just never did. It would have been really cool. And yeah. now we got all the now we got all this fancy Linux stuff that we can do it with. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like we do not have a picture tonight. No, I was. I'm brownie I'm face. Yeah, I know. I'm still scrambling. I, I, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, Adobe is no longer with us. Um, Adobe has left the building. Yes, they have. And I'm trying to do this 100% in open source software now, and it's 
it's a little more difficult, but it's coming together. So cool. we're going to see how that goes out. And this is this is actually the first one that we're doing with 100% open source software, aside from you know the Google thing and whatever. So the productions with open source software, right. so people who want to get technical can shut up their ass. <laughs> open source show. Yes, I'm using um, Audacity. Yeah. So I'm recording with Audacity, and all the post is going to be done in QTractor. Cool. So we shall see. Uh, thank you to Stephen McLaughlin for that suggestion last year in uh, OLF. Oh yeah, yeah, that was really good. Q Tractor is really nice. I haven't so, played around with it at all. Uh, I didn't download the distro he suggested. I I got Ubuntu Studio and that has Q Tractor in it. Okay, cool. Uh, so I have that in a VM and I'm going to do all the post in that. All right, so we'll get off the Linux Linux tangent. <laughs> and jump back to gaming and hop right into news. Here is something that I did not know. Ultima Online and Dark Age of Camelot are both listed on Steam Greenlight. And it appears that both of these titles um, are were being taken over by a new production studio, Broadsword. What were you going to say? Uh, I don't check Steam Greenlight as often as I probably should. Me neither. Yeah, I, because... I check it every now and then, and I'll vote on a couple of games. Yeah, but I because... don't check it regularly. Yeah, because I see Ultima Online, and I was like, oh. I've always wanted to try it. It was one of the first early MMOs. I mean, it's it's not the first, but it was one of the first early ones that was fairly popular. Um, I knew a lot of people that played it. I've heard some really, really cool stories about people that used to play it back in their early days and how crazy it just was back then, kind of like the Wild West. Um, I did play Dark Age of Camelot. I think I still have two boxes of Dark Age of Camelot under my desk here. Um, played that one for a while. Uh, and that one's really interesting, especially since a lot of the people who did Dark Age of Camelot are now doing... Can we take a guess? Uh, Ezo? Yes. Oh, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of the production guys and the guys who actually created um, Dark Age of Camelot uh, have done Elder Scrolls Online or participated in it. So I think that's one of the reasons why... It's one of the few games you're seeing with a three-faction PvP section set up, kind of like um, Guild Wars 2 did and Dark Age of Camelot. So I've always wanted to try Ultima Online. If it's on Steam and I can do 14 free days, I may try it and actually see if I want to subscribe maybe for a month or so just to give it a little shot. Um, that may be a fun little Saturday thing to try around and play with. Oh, my God. Ultima Online was released two days before my birthday in 97, man. Yes. yes. That's crazy. September 24th, holy shit. 97, yep. It's an old one. And I remember And I remember when um, Dark Age of Camelot launched because a lot of the guys I was playing Astron's Call with jumped over to Dark Age of Camelot. I think it launched in August, and I did not jump over till like, October or November. Mm -hmm. I think I jumped over several months later because um, I was still sticking with Astron's Call. Um, Never played Dark Age of Camelot. It was, you know, well, you, you didn't play a lot of MMOs, so it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I, I, can't even, I can't even get you to play Elder Scrolls Online, and you love Skyrim. I, and now I'm stuck, and now I'm kind of stuck on nostalgia. And that's not even, like, a proper MMO, so it's kind of just like... <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't. I don't see that lasting more than a week, though, I'm sorry. We'll get to I'm, that later on in the show, though. Yeah, I'm still kind of like, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm dancing around ESO so much right now. It's not even funny. Um, 
But yeah, one of the other things I clicked on was one of the links that was on the Polygon page where they actually had the producer letter for um, Ultima Online and they were actually talking about um, the broad, Broadsword games. Um, it was actually founded by uh, Mythic Entertainment's co-founder Rob Denton's new studio is the Broadsword Online Games. Um, and he's partnering with EA's Mythics Entertainment to operate and support and develop Ultima Online on EA's behalf. So I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know what they're still putting out for UO, considering it's, you know, Wait. how many years old now. I mean, that's kind of crazy, but if they're still pushing out content. I know they've done several graphical upgrades over the years, even though I've never played it. I still followed some of the news that was being written about it. Um, anything that came out for the gaming community, I kind of just read about it. So, I don't know. If it's on Steam Dreamlight, I definitely want to give it a shot. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of... That whole isometric gameplay has got its little charm to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It does. And it, it would be nice to play something like that again. It would be a nice break from either the flat or the pure 3D perspective. Right. The 45-degree angle just sits nice with me. Like Sonic 3D Blast. <laughs> so our next news story is still following the lines of, um, well, I guess the last one really wasn't about Skyrim, but um, Morrowind is being made in Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Um, I have, the article... I've, been I've been following this for a while. Oh, have you? Yeah. So I was going to say, the article that I had um, is basically just talking about two hours of original music um, for Morrowind that's going to get put into the game. But then I found some other, uh, the video that they're showing here shows a lot about the crafting that wasn't even in Morrowind that will now be in Skywind, I think is what they're calling it, yeah. um, which looks pretty good. It's kind of amazing, and I'm surprised since you do um, development stuff and do do coding and things that you aren't jumping on this project and trying to lend a hand to anything or do anything. I mean, this seems like this should be kind of something up your alley. Dude, if I had enough time to invest in something <laughs> like this, I would. Seriously, because here's the thing. they If you stick with vanilla Skyrim, and mm -hmm. you have the Dragonborn DLC. You actually do go back to a part of Morrowind. It's it, technically speaking, you're on Soul's time, but you're close enough. Uh, I mean, you're close enough to get the storyline, like the houses, like the Dark Elf houses are there, and all that other kind of stuff. Um, and it looks good. And it would be, and what they're trying to do here is is awesome, way way awesome. And I would love to start playing this. Yeah, I was watching some of the video. I didn't watch the whole thing, but. What I saw, I was kind of skipping through it, and it did look kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Morrowind was my game back in the day, man. Now, did you play that on PC? Where did you, what did you play Morrowind on? PC. You played it on PC? See, I think I had it on PC, but I think I played more of it on the original Xbox. And it's funny because I was the I was flip flop. I had both versions. I had the mm -hmm. PC and the Xbox version. I played more on the PC than I did the Xbox version. Yeah, I and think I, I played more on the Xbox if I remember correctly, and it was yeah, it was I, good. I think the thing that really threw me off about the Xbox version was, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, but the dialogue was the dialogue window was always full screen on the Xbox version, or was it half? I don't, I don't remember. That was how many years ago, probably. Come on, I mean, man. When, when, was, know this. when was when was Morrowind put out? Two thousand two. 
I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I probably played it on the Xbox probably a year or two after that because I don't think it was released right away because I think it was um, a gold edition or something that was released. I think it was... No, I think it was Game of the Year. Was that was it a Game of the Year edition or something yeah. that was released on the original yeah. Xbox? Yep. They, um, do that. they do that with those. It's like they don't release the vanilla versions. They always do gaudy versions on the consoles, like, after. Mm. Oblivion was original. Well, that one was. And so was Skyrim. I didn't pay attention to Skyrim. Well, Skyrim ran like crap on the, on the 360 and the PS3, I heard. Yeah, that's why I did it on PC. Yeah, I did it on PC as, as well. Well, when Kim had bought it for me, she bought. I think I talked about it on one of the last, uh, one of the other podcasts. She originally bought it for me on PS3, and we had to take it back because I was like, "Yeah, I'm not playing this on PS3." <laughs> I remember I was listening to uh, Links Outlaws, and Fab was talking about it because I, I think somebody had got it for him, or he got it for himself on the PS3, and it was buggy as shit. Yeah, and that's I'm like. I don't want my Skyrim experience ruined. Like, if I'm going to ruin my Skyrim experience, it's going to be because I installed 60 mods and they're loaded in the wrong order. Well, there <laughs> are an, there are enough bugs in any Elder Scroll game to begin with. Well, uh, there's just like ESO right now, there are tons of bugs in the, in the damn game, and it there's wouldn't be an Elder Scrolls game without it. Like, running almost completely vertically up a mountain? Well, no, because I was listening to some Elder Scrolls podcasts today, and they were even making jokes. Um, last week, they had to shut down the guild bank because of a duplication bug, an mm-hmm. item dupe bug. So, and, and they even made the joke, they were just like, this item dupe bug is in every game of Elder Scrolls probably ever. They are like, this is like a known bug and they are like, it probably wouldn't be an Elder Scrolls game without it. <laughs> what if it, it makes you wonder if it's something like deep in the core engine and the guys kind of just look at the code briefly and they're like, eh, whatever, we'll leave it there. I, I don't know. It's... It'd be interesting to to know if any actual code from any of those games is in ESO. Oh, well, I, I think, actually, you know what, I think the thing was, was whenever they transitioned from, a, like, Morrowind to Oblivion, that was a big engine change. And then Skyrim was an even bigger one. I think they may have yeah. scrapped a decent portion, because were, there, were there was a lot of coverage on that. I think they may have scrapped a decent portion of the engine and did it from scratch. Yeah, Skyrim was something that was just completely... Just way different. I mean, I remember when I got Oblivion first on the Xbox 360, and I thought the game looked outstanding on the 360 back then. Oh, yeah. Oblivion then, was awesome. But then when I start playing around with Skyrim, especially on the computer and what you could tweak with it graphically, I mean, when you start playing around and you have a decent video card, you can get that game looking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. When you start dealing with the high-res textures and everything like that. But, man, can high- it kill a system. Oh yeah, yeah. If you, especially now with the with the EMBs and uh, which for people who don't know EMBs are environmental mods, so they change things like shaders for lighting effects, uh, which can usually have a minimal impact on your system. But depending on how the shader runs, it can kill it. Uh, but a lot of the mods, like the the armor mods and stuff like that, the textures are coming down in two and four K resolutions, so they're super high res, super right. super high res. And if you do not have a proper graphics card, it will tank your PC instantly. But they are gorgeous if you can get them to work. Yeah, Beautiful. yeah. Beautiful. yeah Sky- Skyrim is definitely an outstanding, gorgeous game. So it'll be interesting to see what they can make Morrowind look like, considering that's almost 12 years old now. Yep. I play it. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you will. You, <laughs> you and your 200 hours in Skyrim. Uh, 204. 
I had 23 last night in ESO. Oh, look at you. Look one, you of the guys, one of the guys I work with hit is already 33. Oh, damn, man. That's what I get for, t that's what I get for going on vacation for a week. <laughs> now he's way ahead of you. Just it, wait till we, we had started on the same day, and he had slowly pulled ahead of me, and then when I was on vacation, it was just like, see ya. That's what I did to you in P4. Yeah. But that was, yeah, that was, that, that was insane. Oh, my God. Next story. Danganronpa 2 is coming to the West on September 2nd, so I need to sit down <laughs> and just freaking finish the first one already. Considering I haven't touched it in several weeks. Well, I didn't touch my Vita the whole time I was on vacation, and I actually had it with me. Mm -hmm. um, but I just... All the driving we were doing and all the all the traveling we were doing um, was just way too much, and we can get to that later on in the show when I start talking about my week. Because um, I could talk a little bit about PAX, although I really don't have to... really don't have too, too many games that I want to talk about that I saw at PAX. Um, but, um, yeah... Danganronpa, I definitely want to finish the first one, and I'm really interested in the second one. Supposedly there's even a third one um, being made currently. Oof. I haven't even played the first one yet, man. It's good. It's good. I think you would like it. I think you would definitely like it. Yeah, I think your recommendation was because I was such a P4, or since I'm really such a Persona whore now. Yeah. Uh, you said Danganronpa is along those lines somewhat. It's, I don't know if I would say it's along those lines. It's The story's really good. It's, uh, not, it's not really a role-playing game. It's more along the lines of, you know, where you're, in, you're basically going around making um, friendship fun. chains or whatever and um, basically just trying to solve whodunit type murders. Um, but this, but the, but the friendship chains that you have to make kind of remind me of something along the lines of what they had in Persona Four. Uh, but there's really no combat or anything like that because you're not really leveling up characters and things like that. Uh, so basically, it's just like the Persona Four social link system, just on crack. It's well, it's the Persona Four social link system tied to. Um, Maybe like the what's the one lawyer game that's out on the Nintendo? Ah, uh, Phoenix Ace Wright. Phoenix Wright, yeah, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. So it's like a mishmash of those two things. Okay. Because you do have the court hold, the court sequence, which takes up half of the time. It the game's half social link, half half Ace Attorney. Hmm. Interesting. So, and it's in the like I said, it's probably one of the best stories um, that I've that I've played and followed. So. You mean gotta, there's something there's something better than Gone Home? Really? I'm moving on to, I'm moving on to the next story. <laughs> you put this story you put this story out here and it's you put a tweet out later. So I'm guessing this is what you're trying to tug at everybody's heartstrings for and everything. So I'll let you talk about this one. I just thought it was really cool. I mean, I'm still skeptical on the Oculus Rift and, and VR in general, but um, this would be something where I could see it being beneficial for people, just generally beneficial. Um, Rebetta Fur... I don't know how you say it, First Furstenberg, I believe is how you say her last name? Yes. Uh, she was... She had been treated for cancer, cancer, the treatments had failed, and she was basically put on death watch. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm assuming it was really bad because apparently she could not you know, go out of her house for some reason or another, so uh, I believe it was her, her daughter. Granddaughter. Granddaughter, whichever, yeah, granddaughter, 
um, actually got an Oculus Rift and launched some type of program that was sort of like an explorative one so she could see, you know, for not just outside of her lawn, but like I think it said they were taking her to places like Italy. Italy yeah. Yeah, and, and other places overseas. And she was able to experience that stuff. I mean, it wasn't really a thing. She didn't get on a plane and go there, but the Oculus Rift gave her that opportunity to see what that would be like. Uh, unfortunately, Rebetta passed away four weeks, four or five weeks or something like that after she had used the Oculus Rift. But um, Yeah, I thought that was really cool. This would be... I mean, it's sad that she passed away. From, I mean, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer or whatever, and that's it's really sad that she passed away. But this is something I could really get behind. If this kind of use came from VR, or something evolved from this point, I could get behind that 100%. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's way cool. Yeah, that's, it, it was a really good story. And like you said, if there's one story that will actually tug at your heartstrings this week, this will be the story. And I, I wasn't expecting, like, the very last sentence that said, you know, she'd passed away. I was just like, I just figured, okay, she tried this, and that was going to be the end of the story. But then, oh, they mentioned that, and I was like, okay, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that that's, I mean, that, that's rough on everybody who's involved in that. But, yeah, the, more it's, to the point. It's kind of cool that they were able to use technology, though, like this, something that, you know, wasn't around years ago, mm-hmm. um, to let her maybe experience a couple of things. Which which is kind of cool, right? I mean, I it's not so. the, I mean, it's not the full visceral experience, but it's close. It's it's almost close enough, right? You know, and then, right. and so yeah. Let's get on to another story that's maybe a little happier. Somebody set another. Well, the world's fastest Ocarina of Time player sets another record. Yeah, he keeps beating himself now. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what he's thinking. But this dude just keeps like beating himself over and over again. I'm just like, okay. Um, sixteen. I think he bested his time by sixteen seconds. It looks like. Yeah. So, the Cosmo Wright is a. I would say he's a pretty well-known speedrunner. Um, he's on Twitch all you know Twitch all the time doing this kind of stuff. And uh, his original record of beating the Ocarina of Time, which was the Legend of Zelda game for the Nintendo 64 originally, uh, he's been able to beat the game in 18 minutes and 56 seconds. Now, this has been done with a, you know, no tool assisted, but he has used glitches, and he is using a uh, Japanese version of the game, I believe. Chinese version. Okay, Chinese. So... There's there's subtle tweaks that make it run faster, but he actually beat his record. He's beat the game in 18 minutes and 40 seconds. That's crazy. And for now, how long of, how long would that game normally take somebody like me, who takes forever to finish a damn game, to play? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna have to give you a number based on my first playthrough of the game. Okay, okay. Uh, it took me about two weeks. To beat the game. Now, once you beat it and know where everything is, if you do a second playthrough, you can probably plow through the game in about three days. Normal right. play, normal play time. Right. Not not like I know where every damn glitch is and can skip through walls and that kind of shit. No, that's like just normal play through three days. Um, that's crazy. Eighteen minutes and forty seconds to be able to finish that. Oh, and that's a huge game. Yeah, because I remember playing that on the Nintendo 64, and I don't believe I ever finished it. Yeah, I, I finished it a couple of times. My buddy Johnny finished it like 40,000 times. The dude's a Zelda whore. Um, I like him, but I 
you know me, I hardly, rarely finish games. <laughs> I know your backlog's like a freaking Christmas list, man. That's, yes, I know, I know. We shouldn't even hold you to a backlog anymore. We should just be like <laughs> Joe's I, closet. I need to declare backlog bankruptcy. <laughs> like people declare email bankruptcy. <laughs> I just need to say, backlog bankruptcy, I'm done. My hands are up. I'm just wiping my hands free of this. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Joe is officially baptized of his backlog. We forgive you, my son. Uh, Man. All right, another Kotaku story. We had a couple of Kotaku stories here. Um, One carefully placed bomb can break Titanfall. I watched the video... This is interesting. I like how these guys are basically like trying to do a Mythbusters type thing and prove or disprove certain things within Titanfall. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought that was really that was really cool. And I really love that when they put the bombs in the evacuation ship and it sails away or flies away basically um, and then they go to detonate it when it's basically off the screen, it basically disconnects from the server. <laughs> and it seems to do it continuously. And it seems to be reproducible, we shall say. <laughs> which is which is really funny when I was watching that. When they showed it a couple of times, I was like, hmm, interesting. That's, I wonder, a, that's a heck of a bug. I wonder if this stuff goes back to the Q&A department and they're like, why didn't you guys test this? Why didn't you think to put the bombs in there before it was shipped? <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely crazy. I like um, stuff like this, though. I like these these kinds of these. Well, I wouldn't consider them Easter eggs, but I like these kinds of bugs. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because they're bugs like you just said. The QA team may not have even tried this. Mm-hmm. I mean, but once you get a game like this into the hands of hundreds of thousands to to maybe a couple million people, they're gonna do shit that your QA team probably didn't think of. <laughs> no matter how good your QA team is. Oh man, I love this stuff though. It's I mean I I want somebody to find a bug in Goat Simulator. That's what I want. Oh, what do you think there aren't any? I'm sure there are. <laughs> I, want, I want something on Goat Simulator. I started playing that. I love that game, dude. Did you buy Goat Simulator? No, no, my buddy bought it and I, I was playing it on his laptop. Oh, okay. Uh, I was gonna say, when did you buy that? No, it would have showed up on my Steam. Trust me. I was going to say, and when are you doing a stream of that? <laughs> oh, my God. You just gave me the best idea ever. <laughs> oh, no. That's crazy. I love it. I love it. All right. Are we ready for the next story? Did you have anything else with Titanfall? No, I just want to blow more shit up. All right. How's it? Next story is from GameSpot. The Last of Us lead artist quits Naughty Dog. It seems like quite a few people have left Naughty Dog. I was just going to say that. I mean, they've. it seems like they've had a little bit of a swinging door. Not a rotating door, a swinging door. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like Nate Wells leaves Naughty Dog to join the Unfinished Swan developer, Giant Sparrow. Yeah, and I don't know too much about Unfinished Swan, but I do know Nate Wells. He has worked on Bioshock Infinite. Right. I remember um, reading that. Yeah, so, and, and I, I saw his name in the credits actually before I saw this article. I remember because I was actually one of those idiots that watched the credits in Bioshock Infinite, so. Uh, how many times have you finished the game? Probably about eight. 
Okay, well, I'm I'm sure out of at least one of those times you've watched the credits, I would at least hope so. Uh, but yeah, I don't know too much about Unfinished Swan, um, but if Nate's work portfolio includes Bioshock Infinite and The Last of Us, uh, you can only imagine it's going to look goddamn awesome. Right, and I'm I'm really surprised that um, several people are leaving Naughty Dog, especially since it was announced that they're working on a remake, well, not a remake, but a remastered version for the PS4. Mm. Which, I mean, you were going to let me borrow your copy for the PS3, but i definitely rather play it on the PS4 to see what this looks like. I knew, so, I see, knew that was coming. See, I just, cleared some, I just cleared something off my backlog. Backlog bankruptcy. <laughs> I See, you know what's funny is I was talking to my buddy at work today, and I was like, you know... I just saw that remastered version of The Last of Us coming out, and Joe has not played it yet. I told him I was going to send him a disc, and I swear to God, he's going to tell me he's going to get the PS4 version. Yep. I'm going to get the PS4 version. You heard it here first. <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> this is a whipping exclusive. Yeah, I it, yeah, I mean, it, it does raise some questions about what's going on behind Naughty Dog's doors, because, I mean, at least to me, it felt like they were doing phenomenal. I mean... You come off the back of a game like Last of Us, which is a fucking giant of a game. I mean, it, it just... And I thought they were doing really well, and it just seems like all these talented people are, are, you know, leaving the guard there. Well, maybe it's time that they've worked on this game, and it's probably taken a lot off of them, and they've dumped their heart and soul into it, and maybe they just want to go do something um, a little different. Mm, that, that could be the case. I mean, you, you can't say they're going to smaller places because... No. Um, Amy Henning went to EA. That's definitely not smaller. I no. mean, so... <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I mean, that's... That's, that's, <laughs> one stall, that's, that's almost the complete opposite. Man. Yeah, that, that is one step for man right there. So, um, I don't know. We'll wait and see what um, comes out of the Unfinished one. I've heard of the game before. I can't remember much about it right now. We'll have to look it up um, and talk about that maybe next week. Um, but here's another story from GameSpot that I had found that I thought was very, very interesting. Um, Skylanders. Very popular with the kids, even some adults. Um, Disney has their Disney Infinity game out. Um, also very popular. It seems that these action figures sell, and using them with the video games is a nice um, kind of like culmination of things that are working together. Per a Polygon article, though, um, from what GameSpot was talking about, it sounds like um, Activision, they basically, the guys who made the Skylanders game kind of went to Nintendo and was trying to do the, a Nintendo exclusive. I think the company's name is Toys for Bob. Um, they basically went to Nintendo and said, we could do this as a Nintendo exclusive. What do you think? Nintendo basically replied um, they'd never seen anything like this before and really didn't jump at the opportunity to um, take over this, and it appears that uh, Skylanders is worth a whopping $2 billion right now. Really? I've never heard of this shit. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. I've never heard of this shit. You've never heard of Skylanders? Nope. Do you not go to the grocery store and see all the Skylanders that have been tied into potato chips and everything else? Nope, I go to the grocery store, buy biscotti and milk, and then leave. Wow. <laughs> That's exactly we need what to happened. broaden 
broaden your horizons a little, young man. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking at Skylanders. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I don't understand this. Okay, you live a very sheltered gaming life. Um, well, the funny thing is, so you have Activision that put out Skylanders. You have Disney that put out Disney Infinity, and Disney Infinity is actually selling really good. Here's something that I didn't know. Nintendo actually put out a Pokemon Rumble U last year for the Wii U, which is just like Skylanders. That I did not know. I don't remember hearing that. <laughs> and I don't believe that it's probably selling as good as any of the other ones. I'm looking up Skylanders right now because I feel like it, I feel like I'm I'm So behind. with So with Skylanders, basically what Skylanders is is they are kind of like a miniature figure. And you have a base that plugs into the USB port on your Xbox, PS3, I believe Wii U as well. And you can put the, the action figure on the base, and then that character will load up into the game. You can level that character up. The data will be saved onto the character, onto the model. So if you actually want to take your model or your action figure over to your friend's house, you can take your leveled up character over there and play it in his Skylanders game as well. Oh, hell no. So you know, it's basically it's basically like a an action figure collectible. I don't know if they're collectible or not. I they, I, mean, I think they are because I think they only make so many of them, and they do. It seems like they're releasing new um, groups of figures each year, or maybe multiple times a year. I don't know how often. Um, so so basically, they're like glorified flash drives. Well. I don't know if I want to say they're glorified flash drives. That's, because okay, that's probably a really gross simplification. Because it's basically like the NFC technology, I think, is what they're doing. Okay. This I mean, because the, like... the figures aren't plugging into the consoles. The figures are just, just have, like, an RFID chip in them, I believe. Okay. This kind of reminds me of... There, there was something similar like this when Pokemon was really big. Like, if you want to flash back to when, you know, red, blue, and yellow were still out. And... Right. The 150 were the only ones that mattered. Now these kids have like 20,000 of the fuckers. Yeah. Um, there was actually a little battle arena set that I had where you could plug. You had like the actual Pokemon, and they plugged into the arena, and they would level as you battled them. So you could take them to other peoples and and that kind of stuff. It's sort of the same thing as this. Just this seems like it's not as tied down as what that was. I mean, that was back in what 2001, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that was that was really old. This actually looks pretty cool, and I can't believe I haven't seen this before concerning the fact I can't that I believe you hadn't heard of it either, because when it came out a couple of years ago, I, in 2011, I think, is when Spyro's Adventure first came out, the Skylanders, I mean, it was kind of popular. I mean, they were selling out um, at Best Buys and things like that, where you can buy the individual figures. I mean, people were going in and buying, like, you know, the full set of characters just so they would have the whole collectible set. Fucking hell, man. And see, I have nine nieces and nephews. I did. I. I don't know how this didn't get on my radar. I. I. You. You obviously, like I said, live a sheltered life. My <laughs> gaming do. companion. You do. I, I, mean. I do. I mean, if it ain't Skyrim or Bioshock, I'm not interested. <laughs> I, I guess not. I mean, we're gonna have a very limited podcast here with that type of focus. <laughs> I mean, so. Oh shit, man. We need to be coming close to the final episodes. <laughs> and my run here is done. It's been wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. I, you'll see me over at Bethesda. All right, the last one, another Kotaku story. Um, 
There's a Bioshock Infinite Easter egg in this week's My Little Pony. I'm actually going to do a screen share of this because... So, are you a brony? I know you are. You oh, are dude, a, I, I a brony. I am a brony. 100%. You do a screen share of this, you're definitely going to get our video flagged. And go. <laughs> All I yep. see is black. Okay, good. We're not getting taken off. I don't know why it's not sharing. Oh, well, whatever. The, the link should be in the show notes. The link will be in the show notes. Explain what is being seen, though. Okay, so there's apparently a scene in an episode of My Little Pony, which we all know Joe loves. Um, if you watch very closely in the background, there, there there's two tents on the left and right. If you watch very closely in the background, you'll see a birdcage floating in front of two ponies that are auspiciously dressed as the Lutes twins from Bioshock Infinite. Uh, Robert and Rosalind Lutes are just chilling in the background there, which was really, really fucking awesome. Well, especially since it seems like Ken Levine even knew about it, and he even tweeted a picture of it. Yeah, yeah that was... <laughs> that is so cool. And I, I kind of feel bad for people who don't get that, or who, or who look at that and just like, what the hell is going on in that background? <laughs> like me, who I since I haven't played Bioshock Infinite yet, which is in part of my um, bankrupt backlog now. Um, <laughs> backlog. <laughs> yeah, man, that that's that was really cool. It, I, I would probably, I don't know, I don't think this would be enough to get me to watch My Little Pony though. Yeah, you know you want to. I, you I know you want to get the full brony experience. I, I kind of do that. That pink bag with the diamond locket on it's kind of... That's You know what? I, I bet you people in Europe are buying pink top dollar for that. Oh, they probably are too. <laughs> Somebody in France is like, wee wee. Alright, well I think that's it for the news unless you wanted to talk any more about My Little Pony. You little uh, brony monster. Hey man, you know what? Next week I may be riding My Little Pony. That's all I'm saying. I... You may be doing a, a solo show the next week and not on this channel. <laughs> Damn it. It's going to be take, on our live. It's going to be on our live. kindly to them type around here. <laughs> them damn pony riders. All right. Let's hop into the what I'm playing now part of the show. Um, so the other day for our Saturday show, we decided to download a little game off of Steam, and it was very little. It's like 24 meg, did we say? No, I think it was it was like 28.9 meg or something. It's okay. under 30. Yeah, close enough. Nestalgia. Nestalgia. Uh, it's basically an old, well, it's a new 8-bit role-playing game. That has multiplayer aspects to it. And, yes. and you were saying it had actually been out for quite a while, even though it was just released, I think, last week on Steam. Yeah, it, yeah, I was kind of digging around on the website. I don't have an exact release date, but it's been out for some time. I, he was posting updates on, I don't know if it's a single developer, and I say he like it is. Uh, they were posting updates, and they had been on Steam Greenlight for some time, apparently, and they had just gotten pushed onto Steam proper so you could purchase the game. Um, so when we got it, we thought it was like, you know, the newest thing since wheat bread, and here it had been out for some time already. I mean, there's people that have got crazy levels in that game, or like crazy stats and stuff like that, so it's been out for a while. Yeah. Um, but it also could just be like any other role-playing game where people just grind at it continuously for a week or two straight, and 
you know, if they played in an, in a beta or early access and know everything, when the game's released, they just fly through all the content and then basically are like, okay, I'm done with the game. Any more content? <laughs> kind of like what we did with Cube World. Yeah, pretty much. Well, there wasn't much content in Cube World to begin with, so. Right. Um, so, how much have you played since we played Saturday? Because we played a little bit more on Sunday. We probably should have threw up the stream on Sunday when we were playing. Yeah. Um, I played a little bit. I got Katie mixed up in it. Um, so I fired the server back up, and she has a character on there, and we were playing for a little while, and I got her. Uh, we partnered up, got her through uh, up to the Bandit Mask quest. I think I got her up to six. Okay. Six. Um, myself, personally, I did make it over to Balzakia. Right. Um, I did manage to get a new companion. I got one of the, one of the uh, those green Slimer things that are over on the other side. Oh, yes. Oh, I can't remember what they were called, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they are physicals, and they're stupid strong. Really Stupid. interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm liking. Strangely, I'm liking the game. I, I, I'm liking it a little more than I thought I would, but it's not hooking me to the point where I'm gonna drop every game I'm playing to stay on nostalgia for a long time. It's, it's fun, but in limited doses. Yeah. I can't yeah. sit there and pull a marathon like I did with ESO and play for maybe like 12 to 14 hours straight. I don't think I would be able to do that with nostalgia. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, there's... I, I think of the, well, the... You'd probably finish the game in 12 to 14 hours, considering it's only 28 damn meg. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to think, like I, like, I can't do a bender on this one like I would on Skyrim or Bioshock. Right. You know, like, like with Skyrim, I'll go on, you know... 16-hour benders with that game. I, I can't do... I don't see myself doing that with this. But. And it's hard to say why you can't. I mean, it was fun when we were playing it. Um, there were a couple of things that neither of... that both of us didn't really like with the grouping. When you go to group with somebody, they basically become one of your companions. They do control the combat, but you don't walk separately, separately from each other. You basically walk in a group, and the leader of the group controls everybody. Right. Um... So that takes away from part of the game to where one person then is controlling everybody, and then the other person kind of just sits there and controls the combat. Um, and since it's turn-based combat, you're only pressing the one or two key, you know, whatever keys you have hot. Yeah, every, every couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. that that definitely takes away from the multiplayer aspect of it. Although, I could see later on in the game, if you did have maybe like three people who were higher level, mm -hmm. um, fighting some of the boss mobs. Because some of the boss mobs are rather tricky. Yeah. And, and see, it, it, they may do a little bit better than the computer-controlled players. Right. And see, that's what I was thinking was, A, I can either get Katie in with us so we can do a three-player, or B, when I was planning on opening up the stream on Wednesday so that other people can join in, because we had a couple people that were on our on our live stream on Saturday watching us play the game, we were getting some tips and tricks from them, and some of the people wanted to join, but usually on Saturdays, we do private servers. Right. Um, so I think Wednesday, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually open up, open up the server so that other people can jump in on it. And um, we'll see how that goes, because that, that's I think having three people would be interesting, but like you said, with the multiplayer, the grouping's a little strange, you know? Uh, the, the the leader of the group controls everybody. The other bad thing with the grouping too is that if if you are grouped, uh, 
your other like IRL companions don't see the dialogue that you have when you're interacting with people. Right. So that's a major, major problem because if you don't see that, you're just like, why am I sitting here doing nothing? And plus, and plus, if we do have other people join in, they're going to be level one. We're going to be level eleven or twelve now. Yeah, I'm not sure if. Uh, yeah, that was the other thing. Was Joe noticed that the players are are uh, bound to the server? Um, so you can't. It's not like Cubeboard where you can make a player and then just carry them over to different worlds of different servers. It's you know you make a character on a server and you're stuck um, with them. Unless if there was something I missed, I did not see a way to use that character. Yeah, like in my own offline game. Yeah, and I didn't either. So we may be missing something. I'll look into it before Wednesday, but um, what we may end up doing is just starting fresh, which would kind of suck. I don't want to do all those quests again. Yeah. That would definitely suck. Because yeah. I've already done those quests offline again already. I don't want to do them a third time. <laughs> I don't even want to do them a second time. That's the problem, though, because I, I, well, I took Katie through them, and it was kind of like doing them a second time over again. Yeah. Which I didn't mind because she needed the help, but it was kind of just like, um, I've already done them second time vicariously. Uh, so yeah, we need to we need to. I mean, I guess I guess you could power level someone through. You, yeah. and, you know, the two, all three of us group up, and then we just power level someone through all that opening content in, you know, probably like a half hour or something, mm-hmm. because we could probably just completely power through that. Although. It would all depend on healing, because I'm not a healer, and neither are you. Well, no, but I did figure out, well, that would that would suck, too, if we have three. Well, that would depend if we had three actual player companions. Uh, we did figure out when I was playing with Katie that you can actually cycle through your companions if you're the group leader. So, like, you know how when there was two of us, and then you had your one companion that was still there in your group? Right. You can actually cycle through to the other one in the group lineup. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So what I was doing was when I had that, I had um, my healer and I had the the grammar guy. And um, whenever I would group with Katie, it would always default to the grammar guy. But then I I went in and changed it to where I had the healer, so it was me, Katie, and the healer. Got it. it. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So, makes perfect sense. And it makes it a little easier too when you do it like that. But like you said, if you got three people and you know no one's a healer, you're relying on buying potions and stocking up, and your items are you know they they are what they are. Right. So, and they're expensive. Yes, but by the time I got to the second village, I did seem to have close to like a thousand gold, but it still didn't seem like enough if I wanted to buy new armor and weapons. Yeah, that, it seems like the the um, the cost ratio to like how much you're getting versus how much you're spending is is abnormally disproportionate. Yeah. Um you know the the items are way more expensive than what they should be for how much gold you have in that particular area and even if you don't have enough gold you have to spend too much time farming because you're not making enough. Yeah, I mean like like I said when you when I went to that first, when I went to the second town, Balzakia, and I love the names of this place that uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the developer this, came up who, with. Whoever named there's this shit, man. so much, so much innuendo in this whole fucking game. <laughs> um, but when I went to the second town and went to the inn, talked to the innkeeper and noticed that the that the overnight price jumped from three gold to ten gold, mm. just to rest, and that was something that I used profusely in that first territory was basically just going back to rest just to get my MP back because a magic potion costs 25 gold. 
just to give you, I think, 25 points back. It didn't even take you to your full level. It only gave you 20, you know, in increments of 25, mm-hmm. and it's it's just extremely expensive. Yeah, um, especially when I, when I think by the time I was t- level 10 or 11, I think I was up to like 61 plus MP, you know, magic points. Right. And, yeah, and, and it raises an interesting point with your perspective too, because what what we noticed was. Um, it was actually cheaper for Joe to just keep going back to the inn whenever he was low on MP at the at the at the very beginning of the game because it was it, you know the inn was three gold and a an herb was what like twenty gold or something like twenty twenty five twenty five yeah yeah so it was actually cheaper to do that but you know the cost of that goes up after a while so you know three gold to ten gold so what's the next inn going to be twenty five gold I mean that's not really so you're gonna have to be spending ten gold every time you run out of MP basically you're back in that in that same cycle, but you're spending more. Right. Um, you're making more, but also spending more. It's an incremental right. increase to where it's basically almost just a wash. Right, so you're almost breaking even yeah. in some respects. And that, that could get a little dicey, especially when you get up into higher levels, and if that if that price-to-earning to ratio doesn't you know plateau at some point, it, it's going to get real dicey. I'm guessing somewhere there in the game there has to be a way to probably make money because when we were going through the one castle and we were looking at what some of the content was, you know, you can do a guild for 10,000. I have no idea what a guild does for you. Or even how you're going to get 10,000 fucking gold. considering it costs 10,000 gold, 10, gold, it was just like, seriously? what? Where the hell am I going to get 10,000 gold? <laughs> yeah, but there were there were some other things. In there. there's, some, there's a lot of aspects we haven't explored in the game. Like, I believe there's two different factions you can join. There's, I think there was a Colosseum and one other one. Yeah, Coliseum in um, an arena, maybe. Yeah, there also seems to be which which for our server this is near useless because it's only me, Joe, and Katie that play on it. But um, oh, the PvP. Well, there's the PvP, but I was more referencing the server marketplace that we found. Yes. So basically, it seems like this is a global server thing where anybody who's playing on the server can drop off their items there, and you can basically sell them, and people will buy them, and you get the profit. Um, but with there only being three people playing on our private server, that's almost a useless feature because it, it, all it is is just passing gold around between the three of us. Right, and I think something like that would come into play where you're on a server where there's... I mean, some of the servers in that list had like 50-plus users on there. Yeah. I mean, so something like that where you have a bank or something would definitely come into play. Mm. Yeah. And that would that would be where it's beneficial, but like I said, with our private server, there's only three of us, so I mean, it's I mean, it, the whole thing's moot. So we're basically stuck with farming or trying to figure out another way to make money short of just like I said, farming for hours and hours, which would get use. I mean, I I would not play the game if that was the case. But I'm willing to stick in and explore more of it. And like I said, this Wednesday we're gonna I'm gonna hop on and play with some other people and yeah. see how that goes. I want to play a little more. I wouldn't mind trying to play a little offline and see where it takes me, but it's just doing all the content twice just is not really too appealing yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 the only other thing I wanted to mention too was was jumping back to the the companion thing, you know, when when Katie and I were playing, I kind of felt like she wasn't enjoying the experience of the game as much as you do if you play it solo because she's not seeing a lot of that stuff. I'm just basically dragging her around. Yeah, yeah. You know? And dra- dragging somebody through this game definitely I don't think would be too too exciting. 
No, because it, the the thing with that that was interesting with us was that we actually spent more time soloing, and then we would group up occasionally to trade items. But then yes. after that, we were after that you and I were going our own separate ways and and leveling and and doing quests and stuff like that. It was actually a better experience that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you 100. percent It's like an it's like a multiplayer role playing game, but you're playing solo, there's just other people on the server with you. Yeah. And I, I, it says it's an MORPG. I, th I refer to that as multi-operations RPG. <laughs> so. Yes. But yeah, it, it's, it's a, I, think it's, I think it's a decent game. It's not a bad game. It's not the best yeah. game I've ever played, but it's pretty good. It was a cool little game. What, nine bucks? Yeah, it wasn't that expensive. We got it on sale, though. Yes, um, yes. I think it's only on sale until tomorrow. Yeah, it was only forty eight hours. Or tomorrow. I think there was like forty eight hours when we left when we bought that on Saturday, so Yeah. So all right, well that was Nostalgia. So we have more of that coming on Wednesday. So check out our Wednesday retro stream, even though Nostalgia retro. isn't really retro, it's an eight bit game, so we're considering it retro. Close enough. It it fits the bill. So what else have I been playing this week? Hmm. <laughs> I downloaded when I was on vacation I downloaded Family Guy on my phone just because I'm a huge Family Guy fan it's similar to Simpsons Tapped Out but I don't think it tries to suck too much of your money out of your wallet being one of the free to play games um, it's okay it's just a lot of tapping on things and then letting it go for 8 hours and coming back and doing something later um I think I, I can't remember if I mentioned that on the last podcast because I might have installed it right before the last podcast. And I've gone back to it a couple of times. I can't say I'm even playing it daily. I'm maybe touching it every other day or something, you know, mm -hmm. um, just for a couple of minutes. It's not something I've invested a lot of time in. But I have put a little bit of time into ESO. So I'm still playing Elder Scrolls Online. Um, I think I'm level 23 now as of last night. Um, was grouping up one of my buddies from work and still really enjoying it. Um, there's still a lot to see in this game. We haven't done much more PvP since that first initial outing we did um, a couple weeks ago, um, right after the game first went live. And we're all just basically just leveling and getting through the content. The story is really cool. Um, there's just tons of different stories, just like Skyrim. Everywhere you go, there's just um, somebody else that needs to be saved, a little part of a village that needs to be protected. And... You know, you just come in as the as the white knight, I guess we can say. Um, the game does have its bugs. I do get dropped out of game every so often. Um, I get a spam bug that basically says I'm spamming messages through chat, even though I am not even typing anything into chat. Ooh. Um, I was looking up that error today. It's like error 318 with some other numbers after it. I was looking it up on their forums. There's a lot of people complaining about that. I think it has to do with lag from what some people were describing. It's when basically our characters get out of sync with the server, and it basically just kind of sees that as possibly um, spam sometimes comes through, which is interesting the way it handles that. Um, there was a duplication bug this past week um, while, I was on, while I was at PAX. Um, well, actually, not while I was at PAX. That was just a couple of days ago the dupe bug was. Uh, they actually had to take down the Guild Bank, I think it was, over the weekend. And people were duplicating a lot of high-level 
gold gear for crafting and everything. Um, I believe a lot of people are getting banned for that right now if you were doing that, which if you were doing that in the game and you expected to get away with it, sucks to be you. Um, spend another 60 bucks to buy the game and start over, I guess. That's, that's what you get for cheating in these games. Um, it's not, it's not, it wasn't like the Minecraft duplication bug where nobody gave a shit. Yeah, I mean, Minecraft's offline. This is something that, you know, when there's um, an economy in a multiplayer online game like this, if there's something where you can duplicate things or a bug like that, if you find it, you report it, and you don't use it. Right. I mean, let's be smart adults here, people. You know, it's... They're going to be able to tell through the logs what the hell you're doing. Well, unfortunately... Don't think they can't. <laughs> unfortunately, it's not all adults that play ESO, and even most of the adults that play ESO are probably doing it because their son told them how to do it. Yes. Well, there was a YouTube video, and once the YouTube video got out there is, I think, when they started taking shit down. Because from what I read, this was reported um, as a bug back in beta, people were saying. And they never did anything about it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, here's, here's the thing, too. If you're going to be a dumbass and start doing that, don't put your fucking shit on YouTube. Really? <laughs> well, I think I think some people actually do that, so they so the developer actually does something about it, because they think people sometimes think I've reported this as a bug. They're not doing anything about it, so I'm going to tell everybody about it now. And so that's a double-edged sword. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's what I was getting at was. I can see where they're going with that. I mean, because it's almost kind of like how... I, I hate to jump to a technical subject. It's almost kind of like how uh, vulnerabilities are handled for computer software, where yes. you notify a vendor. If they don't get back to you within, like, 30 or 60 days, then you go public with it. Right. Um, you know, but it almost kind of seems like if you would publicize that on YouTube, you'd basically be paying a target on your ass. Even though you were only meaning it to bring it to the developer's attention, because like you said, you reported it and nobody's doing anything about it. So, like, hey, bro, this is what it's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I hope if they were doing that in earnest, that Bethesda did not ban them. But, you know. it. I guess it all depends. The one video I saw, they had a bank and a backpack full of duplicated stuff. Mm -hmm. So this is not something they did once or twice. This is something they did a crap load. Ooh. Okay. And who knows but, how much stuff they duplicated and then just sold back to the vendors just to basically make gold. Uh, yep. See ya. It's, 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 it could be a continuous circle here. You could just keep duplicating and selling the vendors and just gold, you know, and just you have a never-ending gold pit. And it's, to me, that would be the dumbest thing to do because gold in the game really isn't, I don't want to say it's not useful. There is a use for gold. The gold sink in the game is basically going to be the mounts, which mm -hmm. are extremely expensive if you, if you don't buy the collector's edition. Because um, I think the cheapest one is like 17000 And the ones, the ones you actually want, which have different buffs to them, like you can get a mount, like the workhorse or whatever, starts off with plus 10 um, carrying capacity. Um, so right away, that if you're using that mount, you have an extra ten slots in your backpack, and that one costs around forty-two to forty-seven thousand gold. So you know somebody could be using it for that. The other thing that me and my friends have basically been using gold for is to expand our backpack space. I think I'm up to like 90, 90 spots, ninety slots now in my backpacks, oh, backpack, as well as expand your bank. But 
if you want to do any crafting, you need it. Right. I've created mule characters already to take things out of my bank to make more room in there for the crafting materials. Mm. Because the nice the nice thing about the game is anything you have in your bank within, within when you then go to a crafting station, you can access everything from your bank right at the crafting station. So it doesn't need to be on your person when you do your crafting. Anything that's in your bank will just show up there if you if it can be used for the crafting, which I think is a really cool thing. Right. Um but that's we've spent most of our money on just trying to give ourselves more backpack space and more bank space. I have bought some items, um, like armor and everything like that, from like the guild stores, but they really haven't cost that much. I mean, I've probably spent less than a thousand gold to equip my character, and I mean, I'm spending. I think the last backpack spot, the last ten slots that I bought for my backpack, which took me from eighty to ninety, was like fifty three, fifty six hundred gold, mm-hmm. and I think to expand my bank another ten slots at sixty eight hundred gold. So it goes up very, very quickly. To expand yeah. your to, to you know to just to give you ten more slots in either your bank or your backpack, um, but every, everybody's still loving the game. Um, all the guys I'm playing with are having a blast. Um, everybody's talking, you know, like they wish the game wouldn't bug out as much. Sometimes when you go to zone to a different area, sometimes you'll be at a splash screen where it's loading in the zone and it will just sit there. You basically have to all have to have to alt, alt for the game, and then just reload it. Because there's something that they've introduced in one of these patches recently that kind of just hangs the game when you go to zone, um, which kind of sucks because it seems to happen to me more than it seems to happen to some of the other guys. Because they see Joe Luzzi on the server. And yeah, like, I know. Balls that guy. So, um, but it's still it's a, it's an MMO. It's still the first month of the game. They're patching the game. I would say a couple of times a week. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to fix what they can. And they have fixed stuff so far. I don't know how, I don't know how much stuff they have fixed. I mean, through the patch notes, they fixed some stuff. They have not fixed everything. I mean, no MMO will ever be fixed 100%. No Elder Scrolls game is ever fixed 100%. So, um, the little bugs definitely aren't. I don't want to say they're not game breaking. The duplication bug possibly might have broken the economy. Some people are thinking, um, but. The game's still fun, and I'm enjoying it. That's all that counts. Awesome. Awesome. Anodyne, that's what you were playing this week, it looks like. What the hell is this? I was just taking a look at this while I was talking. This is kind of interesting. Um, this was made from two indie developers, uh, Sean Hogan and Jonathan Kitika. Uh, if you're listening, please don't kill me for potentially butchering your last name. I'm, I'm horrible with those. Um... This is a really interesting. I, I think this was written in action script, or well, it renders out with Adobe Air, so I'm not sure if it's being done with Flash or not. Um, it's very reminiscent to me of a dungeon type experience you would see in Zelda, but with a cerebral storyline. Okay. Uh, the 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 gameplay is very, very much like Zelda, though. I mean, you're, you're, it's top-down view, you know, scrolling screens, no matter which side, you know, what, to whichever exit you go to. Um, you know, you are, you, you basically have no jump or anything like that. Your combat is based primarily on your weapon, which, oddly enough, is a broom. 
and at least for right now it is. I, I've seen other weapons, but they're ridiculously expensive. And I'm still not 100% sure what the hell is going on in this game. All I know is I'm killing shit with a broom, and I like it. Where did you find this game? Uh, I originally found it on Steam. Okay. But they, if you go to anodynegame.com, which will be in the show notes, uh, yep. you can purchase it as a standard, which is not tied to Steam. Uh, and they, they well, actually accept Bitcoin. I see uh, that. I was I was just giggling at that when I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple other versions you can buy. They have a premium one that includes the soundtrack, and it also has a Steam key as well. Um, and the price they went for it, I believe, is ten bucks. It, nine, so far, nine, okay, nine, nine, nine and twelve. Yeah, nine and twelve. Uh, but it's also a page you want. Um, oh, actually, okay. Actually, if you buy it from them, it's nine. If you buy it off of Steam, it looks like it's nine ninety nine. Okay. Um, which I bought mine on Steam. I actually, I didn't know they were providing direct download from their site. So far, I'm liking it. I think it's worth the money I paid for it. I got this a long, long time ago. I can't remember when I bought Anodyne, and I just never played it. And I fired up Steam on my Linux machine, and this was one of the few games that I have in my my 41 game library that popped up on on Linux. Uh, so I said, okay, fuck it, let's try it, see what happens. And so far, I like it. It looks like during the autumn sale, it was like 50% off. Yeah, I can't remember if I got it then or not. I know I went on a buying bender back in the autumn sale. Yeah, I think I did too. I bought some. And there was something I was just reading about Steam. There is a large percentage of games on Steam that people have purchased that have never been touched once. Did you see that? Did you see that <laughs> yes. article? Yes. I can't remember what the percentage was. It was fairly high from what I remember, but I was giggling because I was like, "Yeah, I think I've bought quite a few games on Steam, and I know there's several. There's a handful I've never even loaded yet." <laughs> I bought the what was it? I bought the um, the Sonic All Stars package. I believe it was where it had like. 13 or 14 different Sonic games, and I got it when they had a Devastation sale, so I think it was originally like 100 bucks, and ended up paying like $40 for the whole set. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. So, but it had classics. It had it had both the Sonic Adventure games, which I really like. Okay. Uh, I had Sonic CD, which I fucking love. Um, it had some of the newer Sonic games, which I'm not... Like, it had some of the Sonic Racing games, and then... Uh, I, I'm just not a fan of those. I could I could care less if I ever fire those up or not. And I also have the Sega Genesis classics, the Sonic One, Two, and Three. They have the modified version with Knuckles and Sonic Three D Blast. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't, can't honestly say I've played a whole lot of my library. Out of the 41 games I have, I've probably played maybe 32 of them. I'm probably I think I have as many games as you, and I have probably right around the same same place. Yeah. Um, the makers of Anodyne are actually working on a new game called Even the Ocean, which looks like a physics-based platformer. Uh, same art style. It's the same two guys that are working on it. It actually looks really good. They have a motion beta available. The motion beta basically lets you run through a couple gauntlets to test the motion out in the game, the physics. Uh, it's got that wall jump mechanic that was available in Batman on the NES, which mm -hmm. I remember being the first game I saw do that, which is amazing. And it looks like they nailed that mechanic pretty well here. I did try the beta before the stream, and it looks good. Cool. 
plays good. So that is definitely – I'm going to throw that on my what I want to play now. Sounds good. For my what I want to play is um, there were so many things at PAX, I don't even know where to <laughs> even begin. Um, we're so far into the show right now. PAX was awesome. I plan on going next year. Let's just pretty much say that. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, yeah, I think we're gonna. You're going. I'm gonna try to go next year for sure. I mean, so I mean, I did sit in on a couple panels. The Giant Bomb panel was outstanding. Those guys are just hilarious. Um, what they did on Sunday for the Royal Rumble, they had 30 people playing the old Nintendo 64. WWE wrestling one wrestle wrestling game, and they had thirty different people basically doing a Royal Rumble, which was just fucking classic. Oh, that is um, amazing! First time they've ever done this, and it was one of the funniest things Kim and I watched during the whole weekend. It was just hilarious what these guys did. Uh -huh. um, it was spectacular. Um, but all the games and everything, it was. I was really surprised. I didn't realize that there would be the amount of board game coverage there that there was. Because um, when you walk into the exhibition hall, it's pretty much almost looks like a mini E3 floor, I'm guessing. I mean, I've never been to E3, but I'm guessing this is what E3 would look like with just all the different vendors. I mean, the first thing I did was make a dart over to the Bethesda booth and basically made sure I got my Elder Scrolls shirt, which was exclusive for PAX, I think. Um, which was pretty cool. And then we walked around and just looked at everything, and it was just information overload. There were so many different um, indie games, tablet games, iPads everywhere, um, hardware companies, Entermax, and everybody was there with their different stuff. And when we finally made it over to the one section um, where all the board games were, Kim and I just looked at each other and were like, whoa, we couldn't believe that this was over here as well, and just all the tables they had set up, people playing Magic. They had a place where you could actually rent board games and just go sit down and play a board game, um, you know, for all day if you wanted to. Uh, crazy. Just crazy. It was, it was a blast. And for as many people as was there, Kim and I were both talking at basically how nice everybody was. Um, you really didn't run into a lot of jerks. There weren't any assholes. I mean, I didn't run into any assholes or anything. I mean, you sometimes when you get that many people in one place, you all, you're always going to get that one person or something. It was just a great gaming community that was there, and it was just really, really cool to just be a part of it. It's it's definitely something you need to experience on your, you know, for yourself. And I really can't describe it. And I hope everybody has that same experience that what we had. Because she even said she said the same thing. She goes. I can't believe how nice everybody is here. She goes, everybody's just so nice and polite. She goes, which you normally don't see when you get that many people together in that sort of social social situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you get a bunch of gamers together and everything and everybody's there for basically the same thing, it was, you kind of just come together and it's just like you're just one big family. Yeah. I mean, and that was definitely how it felt. I, did, I think that's almost reminiscent, not, not to keep jumping back to the Linux thing, but I think that was almost reminiscent of how OLF felt last year. Yeah, I mean, it was just a bunch of people there just doing Linux shit, really super nerdy things, and, I mean, we were all there for the same reason, and it just felt like one big cloud of fucking awesome. Yeah, it was just yeah. it was just a really, really great experience. It's something that you 
you want to remember. And I, I don't think I'll ever forget Pax. Kim has tons of pictures of all the cosplay and everything and a whole bunch of different people. I mean, she was taking more pictures than I was. Um, <laughs> so it was it was just something that was just really cool. Um, awesome, man. As far as all the games go, I could sit here forever and talk about the games. I'm sure everybody's seen and heard enough about the games already. I'm not even going to go into that whole department. Um, yeah, we're hitting... We're over 112, man. Yeah, so that's why um, pretty much I think we're just going to end it here. Sounds good um, to me. And we are just going to go into our closing part of the show. Send us some emails. What I'm playing now at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at what I'm playing now. Drop the G. Like we said at the top of the show, Google Plus is plus.google.com slash plus what I'm playing now podcast. And hit our follow our Twitch channel. Twitch is pretty much what we're going to be concentrating on here coming up. Twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. I think we've pretty much axed Facebook. Um, I really haven't done too, anything with Facebook, and from what I'm hearing, like what Brian's saying for the Linux thing, it's just not, it's just irrelevant. Yeah. So I don't know how much I'm going to do on Facebook for what I'm playing now, but... Um, just I, I think we should just nuke it. I, whatever. Nobody yeah. needs it. I mean, if we yeah, need I'm Facebook, not, I, I'm not a huge Facebook user to begin with, so I don't. Well, if we need Facebook whoring, I do it. So I, I, I use my, I destroy my own personal account by doing it. So my wife would do it because she's the one who's a Facebook. She has tons of people on Facebook, so it's got like forty thousand friends. She it's I don't know it's it's, just, it's, <laughs> a it's a thing, and I don't even can't stand it. Uh, All right, well, I think that's it for episode twenty-one. Um, thanks for watching, everybody. We are done with this one. Everybody have a good week. We will be back next Monday um, with another episode of What I'm Playing Now. That's right. Have a good one, everybody. We'll see you later. Peace.